Good morning. It is good to be with you guys. Um, it's Orphan Sunday or Adoption Sunday. And so we are, if you're a guest, we are so glad that you're here and we're taking a little aside from our normal march through the Gospel of Luke. And so we're taking just a little aside this morning to focus in, and we do this every year to say, okay, we want to be reminded of God's heart for children. We want to refocus and be reinvigorated by what is God's heart and his passion and his desire for children. Because if we see God's heart, then as his children, as followers of Christ, then that ought to be our heart. And so I pray this morning that as we look at the scripture, that your heart will be encouraged. I pray that it will be challenged. Um, and that ultimately we would be a people that reflect his glory and his character to children and in the way that we love children. If you've got a Bible, then we're going to be in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. So we're staying in the Gospels, and we're going to be in verse 13 through 16. Mark chapter 10, 13 through 16. And we don't normally do this, but if you guys would, I love this. Would you stand as we read God's Word this morning? Mark 10, verse 13, says this. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. You can be seated. Let's pray before we jump into this. Lord, would you help us to understand your word? Lord, that as we come to your word and as we seek to understand it, Lord, would you enlighten us? Would you give us ears to hear? Would you give us eyes to see? Would you give us a heart to understand and obey? Lord, we ask that you would search our hearts, that you would reveal to us if there's any areas in our heart that are not within your will. Lord, we ask that your word this morning would breathe life into our weary and tired souls. Lord, would you encourage us? Would you give us endurance that we might continue to run the race? And Lord, we do ask that you would captivate our passions and our affections. Lord, that the way that we love you might be put on display to the world. That they would see you as worthy of all worship, of all glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this passage give you a little bit of feedback in here. So Jesus has already called his disciples and so the disciples are with him and he's walking around and, and he gets to a place and he's starting to have these deep theological conversations. And so he's talking to the Pharisees and he's having these deep, deep theological conversations where they're trying to to kind of question him and figure out, like, is this really the guy? And, well, what about this, Jesus? And so they're asking him these questions. And so this is going on. And then kind of from the back, then some people start to bring some children in. And 
we all know what that means. Distraction, right? Like, we all know, like, children bring distraction. They're, they're not always just quiet and sit there politely. And, I mean, there's a lot of kids in here, and they're doing awesome. But at some point during the service, then a pencil's going to fall, a crown's going to roll off the back of the chair, there's going to be some shuffling of, of maybe the listening guide, or, or there's going to be some whispering to mom or dad, or there's going to be the potty dance, right? We know what children bring. And so the disciples see these children coming and these people bringing these kids, and the disciples are like, whoa, we've got ministry going on here. Like, this isn't helpful. We've got real ministry happening. Take the children out. Isn't there a playground somewhere? Like, whoa, why are you bringing them here? If you need a visual of this, you're welcome to sit with my family next Sunday. <laughs> and you recognize that when you focus in and you're like, okay, yeah, we're going to get to some deep, good stuff. And then you bring children, everything's side-railed. But Jesus' response, he becomes indignant. Indignant is this term of, it's this feeling or expressed anger or frustration. It's a feeling or expression of anger or annoyance. And so Jesus is annoyed. Jesus is frustrated. But his frustration, catch this, is not at the children. His frustration is at the disciples. Look at what he says. But when Jesus saw it in verse 14, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. This passage this morning, what we're going to see is we're going to see two things. We're going to see that children are valuable, and we're going to see that children are vulnerable. We're going to see that Jesus puts incredible value on children. He's not saying, hey, we're doing ministry, take the children over there. He says, hey, we're doing the ministry, let the children come. Children have value. So let's, let's see this value, let's unpack this value that Jesus sees in them. He says, let the children come to me, and then he gives this, this explanation, for such belongs the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God belongs to children. Well, what in the world does that mean? That the kingdom of God belongs to children. Well, I think there's a couple things that that means. And so as we unpack this, number one, then he explains in verse 15 that truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. That children are the example of how you enter the kingdom of God. How do you enter the kingdom of God? Well, throughout the scripture, we know that you only enter the kingdom of God with humility and by faith. You only enter the kingdom with humility and by faith. Well, go hang out in the children's ministry. And what do children, what are two characteristics that they just exude? Humility, I need help. I have a problem that I can't fix. I need help. That's humility. I can't do it on my own. I see my kids climbing up into the refrigerator, right? I'm like, what are you doing? They're trying to fix their own problem, right? But they go, will you come help me? 
Will you help me? It's humility. They recognize they have a problem that they can't fix, but then they also believe, right? They have faith. Children believe. They believe in all sorts of things. Monsters under the bed. Mommy and daddy are superheroes. Like, they believe in all sorts of things. They have faith. And isn't that exactly how you have to enter the kingdom? That you cannot enter the kingdom pridefully in this text as the passage goes on then Jesus puts these two in opposition the humility and faith of a child versus the pride and lack of faith of a rich man that's exactly what he's doing is he's setting up these two in opposition to say children are valuable you value pride and rich people but I value children because they're humble and they believe The kingdom of heaven, you can't enter it unless you admit yourself that you have a sin problem that you cannot fix, right? This is the gospel. That all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That none of us can fix our own problem. You can try all you want to be a better person, but you will never undo the sin which you have already done. We have a problem that we can't fix. You can... Work and work and work and be successful and have the best reputation, but yet our thoughts and our actions, we've still offended a holy God. And for that offense, there is a payment of death. We can't pay it on our own. We can't redeem ourselves because we have sinned. And yet Christ came walked on this earth, lived a perfect life, died a death he didn't deserve to pay the penalty of sin. Well, that's faith. If you believe, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he did what he said he was going to do, that he fully satisfied the wrath of God on your behalf, then you can be saved. And you know what happens when you do that? We're going to read a passage in a minute. It says that God actually calls you his own child. Look at the value he puts on children. That when you humble yourself and believe, he actually calls you one of his own children. That children have incredible value because to such belong the kingdom of heaven, humility and faith. But why else do children have value? Well, I think we see it in this passage that that children have value because Did you ever recognize that you are one generation away from the gospel withering in your family tree? One generation from the gospel withering away in your family tree. We just had these families stand up here and make a covenant that they would teach their children. They would pass the baton of the gospel to their children. Because to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. That the kingdom of heaven is passed from generation to generation. And so if children are not viewed as valuable, then what will happen to the kingdom? Well, the reality is that that God says, hey, I'm going to have a people. I'm going to have a people in a place who will worship me in truth. But will your family tree be part of it? See, this... uh, This week, I actually looked up every verse in the Bible that has the word children in it, child, or little ones. It's a lot of verses, let me just tell you that. 
There's over 700 verses with those references in it. 700, over 700. God cares a lot about children. And as we see this, then, then there's this expansive knowledge that God views children as valuable. In Genesis, then he tells Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. He tells Noah, be fruitful and multiply. He tells all of these different people, be fruitful and multiply, be fruitful and multiply, be fruitful and multiply. Why? Because they're supposed to raise up worshipers, raise up little worshipers to pass the baton of the kingdom of God to, that there's incredible value in children. That's why Jesus says, let the little children come to me, for such belongs the kingdom of heaven. So there's value in children, one, because they, they model faith and humility for us, but there's also value in children because they are the future, right? That's what we've heard. They are the future, and the, the scripture tells us that, that they are the future of the kingdom of heaven. But we also see in this passage that not just children are valuable, but that children are vulnerable, as I looked at those passages all throughout the scripture, then, then there were three main ways that I saw that children are vulnerable. Number one, the one that we see here in the, the passage is that children are vulnerable of being overlooked in the kingdom. Right Now, think with me. If Jesus would have sat down with the disciples and asked each of the disciples, hey, do you think children are valuable? Who doesn't, Right? The disciples all would have probably said, yeah, yeah, children are valuable. But what happened in this text? It says that, that when they were bringing the children, that they might see Jesus, then the disciples rebuked them and said, hey, uh, well, not right now. Children are vulnerable of being overlooked in the kingdom. They're vulnerable of being seen as a distraction. They're vulnerable of being seen as, as not worth the time right now. When you get a little older, maybe. When you have a little more self-control, maybe. They're vulnerable of being overlooked of like, what can children really benefit the kingdom right now? They take more than they give. But Jesus says, no, children are real ministry. Children is where the kingdom of heaven fits. So children are, are vulnerable of being overlooked, just like the disciples did, but children are also vulnerable of being taught the wrong things. They're vulnerable of being taught the wrong things. Now, we've all heard the saying that you catch more than you teach, right? That it's, taught more, it's caught more than it's taught, and that children are like that, right? I love it when, uh, when children talk in the service a little bit because they totally oust parents, right? This, the pastor asks a question that's supposed to be like this rhetorical question. And what do the kids do? They answer it, right? Well, what are they answering? Exactly what they've heard mom and dad answer, right? That they're catching what's being modeled, that children are vulnerable of being taught the wrong things. That's not just in the, the verbal teaching. Two plus two equals five. Any children? That's wrong, right? They're not just vulnerable of being taught the wrong things. They're vulnerable of being taught the wrong things by us who model it. 
steps all over my toes, right? I've got four little mini-me's at home, and there is nowhere that I can go that one of them isn't listening or watching, right? I'll even lock myself in the bathroom just to get away. You guys know? And now my son locks himself in the bathroom to read a book. Everywhere you go, children are watching. Now, this isn't just for parents. You know when you're in here and you're worshiping Jesus and there's a child down the row and a child sees you singing to your Lord? Guess what? They're catching something right there. You're modeling it for them. Those are the good ways that we model. But the bad ways that we model is in the anger and in the frustration and in the outbursts and in the lack of care. Children are vulnerable of being taught the wrong things. Even when we don't think we're teaching, we're still teaching. Number three, children are vulnerable of being abused. Sin has deeply, deeply marred this world. And you don't have to have lived long to know that children are vulnerable of being abused. Shreveport's a hub for abuse of children. That's why we've got some ministries that are doing some incredible things to help children. But children are vulnerable of being abused. They're vulnerable of being abused physically, verbally, emotionally. Children need someone to speak up for them and to defend them. They need someone to protect them because they're vulnerable. What I want to do is I just want to give you a a big swath of, of the scripture lays all this out. This is where all of these things have come from, is from looking at the whole of Scripture. Of What does the Scripture say? It says that children are incredibly valuable, but they're incredibly vulnerable. I want to read just a few different passages so that you can see this in, in full color, this detail that, of what God says about children. Listen to this. In Genesis, God commands Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. He commands Noah, be fruitful and multiply. He tells Abraham that he's going to give him a... Children as numerous as the sand and the stars. He commands Isaac to be fruitful and multiply. He commands Jacob to be fruitful and multiply. Why? Because children are valuable and they're vulnerable. In Exodus, we see that the midwives feared God and saved children. Exodus 1 says, But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the male children live. We see how God preserved Moses in the reed basket. We see that God gave laws protecting the orphan and the fatherless. Exodus 22 says, You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. In Leviticus, we see that God values children and he gives laws that protect them from being sacrificed to Molech because they're valuable and they're vulnerable. In Numbers, we see the lineage of the people of God. The promise passed from child to child, from generation to generation. But we also see the devastation of people that did not teach their children to know and love God. Because children are the kingdom of God. 
In Deuteronomy, we see that children should be diligently taught the word and the ways of God. Deuteronomy 4.9 says, Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children, for such belongs the kingdom of God. That's just the first six. Now, I'm not going to go through all 66, but I do want to continue to give you a picture of this isn't just the beginning of the Bible. This is all throughout. In 2 Kings, this is what it says in chapter 17. So these nations feared the Lord and also served their carved images. Catch this. The nations feared the Lord and worshipped idols. And their children did likewise. And their children's children as their fathers did, so they do to this day. Children are vulnerable of being taught the wrong things. Children are vulnerable of following in our sin. Psalm 72 says, May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. God values children, and God sees them as vulnerable, and he acts. Psalm 127, 3 and 4 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. For such belongs the kingdom of God. Proverbs 17, 6, Children are the crown of the aged. Grandchildren are the crown of the aged. Amen? Like, I don't know what happened to my parents. When I had kids... I'm like, these are not the same parents that I was raised with. Grandchildren change grandparents. They're the crown of the aged. Why? Because for such belongs the kingdom of God. That if parents pass the gospel to their children and children pass the gospel to their grandchildren, oh, what a beautiful picture. God values children. Joel 1.3 says, tell your children of it and let your children tell their children and their children to another generation. You see, this is how the kingdom of God spreads. This is how the kingdom of God goes forth is that we view children as valuable and worth investing in. Matthew 18 verse 5 and 6 has, Jesus says this, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea. That's a teaching where Jesus, I'm like, whoa. Wake up, Cole. Don't harm little children because as he continues, see that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. God cares deeply about children. They have value and they are vulnerable. In John 1, it says this, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Look at the value he places on children. That when you trust in Christ, he calls you his own child. That you're a child of God. Acts 2 says this, For the promise is for you and for your children 
and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord your God calls to himself. Children have value. Romans 8, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Romans 8, 17, and if children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. God values children. In 1 John 3, he says this, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. That children are valuable and vulnerable, and to such belong the kingdom of God. Lastly, in 1 John 3, it says, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. That God bestows value upon us by calling us his children. Because as a whole, children are not second class citizens in the kingdom of God. They're not to be relegated for later Jesus says, let the children come to me. In our passage this morning, if you're still in Mark, then our passage gives us two commands, right? Jesus commands the disciples two things, and this is how I want to close. I want to give us these two commands, and they ought to inform us on what we should do. Jesus says to the disciples, verse 14, but when Jesus saw it, he was indignant, and he said to them, listen to this, let the children come to me. The first command that we see in this is that let the children come to me. How are you letting children come to Jesus? This is a proactive thing. There's a proactive and then there's, there's a, some things that we need to stop doing in our passage. But proactively, how are you helping children come to Jesus? The first way that we do this is discipleship. We let children come to Jesus by discipling them. Discipleship. When we see children as valuable and vulnerable, we should actively pursue discipling children to Jesus. This is particularly pointed at parents. We've just seen the milestone map, the first step in that, the covenant, to say, I will raise my children to know the Lord. But this also includes the community of faith, right? We just covenanted with these parents to say, we will help you disciple your children to know the Lord. This morning, as we saw that, then we saw the value of children in our midst. That we are proactively helping, letting the children come to Jesus. This is intentional action. You don't do this passively. You have to intentionally act in letting the children come, making a way for them to know Jesus. If you serve in the children's ministry or you serve in student ministry, thank you. You probably don't hear that enough. From all the parents here, I've got four of them back there, thank you for helping me let the children come to Jesus. If you'll just ask your children if you have children, ask them, Who's your teacher today? What are the characteristics that their teachers exuded? Oh, my teacher was really kind. My teacher was really sweet. My teacher did this. My teacher did that. They're learning the character of God 
as you model it. If you're a grandparent, you get to do this. If you're a coach, you get to do this. If you're a teacher, you get to do this. If you're a neighbor, you get to do this. Proactively helping children see Jesus. That's called discipleship. It's a simple definition, but proactively helping children see Jesus. We get to model it. A second way that you can proactively help children come to see Jesus is through adoption. Louisiana Baptist Children's Home, there was some information there. They were supposed to be here today, but they are, uh, they are out. But they were supposed to be here. There's some information. You can adopt a child, a child without a home, who needs someone to protect them and to speak up for them. But maybe you say, well, I can't adopt. Well, maybe you can foster. Caddo Parish was the, in 2018 was the highest parish in Louisiana for children entering into foster care. There's an incredible number of children that need fostered. Maybe you can foster. But maybe you say, well, I can't foster because of certain things going on. But maybe you can sponsor a child. You know, there's children all around the world who need sponsored. The opportunity to say, I want to proactively engage in helping you see Jesus. There's Operation Christmas Child stuff going on. You know what that does? It provides an opportunity for someone to introduce a child to Jesus. It provides an opportunity for someone to say, Jesus loves you and you're valuable. We've also got Global Fingerprints. We've got a partnership in Panama with Matt and Angie Johnson. And, uh, and so there's a, a Global Fingerprint sponsorship. Many of you guys have children in that. What I heard from Pastor Anibal as I talked with him is the incredible, as this pandemic hit, the families that had sponsorship were able to continue to get food and supplies that they needed. Because children are valuable. And to such belongs the kingdom of God. Maybe you can sponsor. Maybe you can't do any of those, but you know what you can do? You can be an advocate. The crisis pregnancy centers here, care pregnancy. And you can use your voice to advocate for a child that doesn't have a voice. The hub ministry is in town. You can use your voice to be an advocate, to say, these children are vulnerable, but I can speak up for them. CASA is another organization. It's a court appointed. You're just in court for that kid to say, hey, you know what? I'm for you because you're valuable and I know you're vulnerable, but I'm going to speak on your behalf. I'm going to fight for you. We see in this passage that Jesus becomes indignant to those who would keep children away. Oh, I pray that Jesus is never indignant towards us because we've said children aren't valuable. No, we're doing real ministry. We're doing real work. We don't have time for that. Oh, I pray that Jesus isn't indignant to us. The second thing that he says to do here, he says, let them come to me. And then he says, stop hindering them. Stop hindering them. Here's the question for you. Is there anything in my life that is hindering children from coming to Jesus? If there is, the biblical term for that is you need to repent. 
That just means you need to admit it and quit it. You need to admit what you're doing and stop doing it. Stop preventing children from coming to Jesus. It's just a U-turn. Admit it and stop. Be proactive in introducing children to Jesus. Let's pray. Well, Lord, this morning as we see in this text the, the emotional response that you have, Jesus, that you have when, when people prevent children from coming to you. Oh, Lord, would you help us to see the value of children for such belongs the kingdom of heaven. God, would you help us to be proactive in introducing children to Jesus. And God, would you help us to recognize, I'm sure as these disciples thought, they thought they were helping. They thought they were doing something good. But oh, it was overlooked. They had overlooked the value of children. Lord, would you do a deep work in our hearts, searching out the corners of our heart, the places where we overlook the value of children, where we prevent children from coming to know you, whether that's the busyness of our schedule, whether that's that we don't see them as understanding enough. And Lord, would you help us to repent of that? God, that we would see these children like you do and that it would stir our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.